Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. For everyone out there thinking about starting a podcast, let me tell you this. When we switched to remote podcasting six years ago, it was a headache. Multiple pieces of software, inconsistent sound quality, and honestly nearly impossible to bring in guests, let alone record video. Then we discovered Zencaster. Zencaster gives us studio quality recording, including video up to 4K, and distribution to podcast players that support it. We've consolidated our podcasting efforts, doing everything from recording to publishing in a single platform. And now having guests on has become a breeze. Zencaster is about making the podcasting experience as easy as possible, including local recording, automatic post-production, which we love, and no outside software needed to record and publish an episode. I honestly cannot imagine recording remotely without Zencaster. So if you're interested, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code BGA you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experience we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Podcast with board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, I'm Anthony. And this is episode 392, Essence Spiel Hotness for 2002. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, friends, we are back and we are talking about the one, the only, Eschenspiel that's happening so far away that we really are upset because we want to be there to get all the games and play all the games. But again, yeah. it's very far away. We can't do those things. It's <laughs> yeah, so, no. And it's like, this feels like a legit Essen. The last couple of years, it's been like, well, there's some games and it's a little smaller. And <laughs> I'm going through the list this year and there's 
1200 games on that list and i want like half of them so. sure <laughs> and it was good. funny we were talking before the podcast or off that we were planning to go to essen the year that the pandemic hit we were like this is the year nope <laughs> not even nope. a little bit nope i i was talking to margaret about her vacation time i was setting aside money i was get, mm-hmm. making sure my passport was up to date and then yeah and then yeah exactly so yeah this is an episode of pain because we want to be there we cannot be there and it looks like an awesome show so if you are going to be there enjoy it and then tell us about all the great things that we were not able to get to the table so we can be sad and cry a lot yes Mm -hmm. very much very very much so but nonetheless uh we will live vicariously through you as you enjoy all the games but this episode you can live through us as we talk about all these great games and we're going to let you know the hotness so that hopefully you have an opportunity to order these games in advance before they all sell out. Or at least you could put those on your holiday shopping list so that you get them to the table pretty soon. You know, give or take one or two years, depending on where you are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the delay from Essen to actually getting U.S. releases, and I'm sure for other countries, even longer. Yes. Um, it's always so frustrating. It's like, that game looks amazing. It's from one of my favorite designers. Everybody will like this game. Mm-hmm. they're not going to release it forever. Mm. I don't know why. I don't know why they don't think in advance that people might want to buy an Uwe Rosenberg game, but they're going to make us wait. Yeah, I think this podcast needs to be like a shuttle service. Like we just need to pull all our pennies together, get to Essen, take as many games as we can carry, fly them all over the world and kind of do a Santa Claus thing. Yeah. <laughs> the shipping costs these days, we'll need a uh, we'll need a very wealthy benefactor to make that happen. <laughs> Or eight reindeers. I don't know. Maybe yeah, that works true. these days. That's true. Yeah, that might be cheaper. <laughs> Get some flying reindeer. It might be cheaper. Absolutely. So yeah, that will be a new stretch goal on our Patreon account. So if you'd like to back Anthony and I to go full Santa Claus for all of you out there, please check out patreon.com slash BGA. Again, thank you for all our Patreon backers uh, for helping us live the dream of the podcast and maybe all you backers in the future helping us collect all the games and drop them around the world. I mean, I would honestly love to do that. I honestly would. That would be like a dream situation of like getting the best games and then meeting our friends all around the world and like delivering games to them. Like that should be a thing. That's it. That's my Christmas thing. That's my Christmas wish. I'm calling it. Calling it right now. (laughs) All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Done. All right. Until that happens, let's talk about the games that we want at the table and you know maybe you'll get them to the table as well so anthony let's talk about our acquisition disorders Alrighty. so my acquisition disorder this week is a new terraforming mars game what so, another I one i i <laughs> here's the thing about this one the dice game by the way uh-huh. i knew it existed because there was like a really ugly nothing of a landing page on board game geek like a year and a half ago yes and mm-hmm. then they did aries expedition first and then I forgot about it. So they, they've done two Kickstarters for Ares Expedition in the time since this was announced. Mm-hmm. But And so this kind of popped out of nowhere for me. I didn't know they were going to run this campaign. I'm sure plenty of people did, but I was like, oh, cool. And then I backed it <laughs> and then I read about it because I was like, I should make sure I actually want this. Um, so it is Terraforming Mars, a dice game. Simple, simple as that. And the basic idea here is very similar to base game terraforming mars and Ares expedition you were trying to terraform the planet um as one of the corporations they've streamlined just about every aspect of that so there is a board but the map is smaller the oxygen track is shorter 
the number of oceans is smaller and the the heat track is shorter like all these different objectives that you're trying to reach are less significant than they are in the base game and i think you only have to do two out of three instead of all three so it's a much much quicker experience i think they're saying it'll take like 45 minutes instead of you know the two to eight hours that the original game takes Mm -hmm. um and so mechanically speaking what you're doing is you're gonna roll dice for various things and the dice are interesting because the resource dice they have common uncommon and rare on them and so in the Mm -hmm. case of like the silver die common is steel uncommon is uh titanium and rare is a city and so what you roll is going to determine like what you can do on a given round what resources you have available how you can interact with the cards that are in your hand um there's a lot of different ways to manipulate the cards which is good because if there wasn't this would not be a good game (laughs) You Mm -hmm. you have to be able to manipulate the cards otherwise dice games don't work uh and you know they're nice big chunky colorful dice at least in the 3d renders hopefully the finals look like this uh the tiles themselves are you know flat boring looking tiles like the base game so nothing surprising there the the one thing that i'm surprised by is that they decided to go back to kind of the original aesthetic on the card Mm, art sure so the original game quite infamously has these (laughs) clip art and stock image you know uh card artwork that ranges from perfectly passable to ridiculous and not very interesting right and some of those photos i feel like are just of the designers and their families (laughs) absolutely they're they're not good they're funny to a degree but at a certain point you're like looking at these cards for hours and you're like man these aren't very good so uh you get used to it, you forget about it. But then Ares Expedition came along and they did custom artwork for all the cards in that game. And they look great. They're not like the world's greatest artwork, but they're it's the same style, which is the main issue I have with the original game, is that the mm-hmm. style's all over the place. So you have some illustrations and some stock art and some of like people in costumes in front of a blue screen. Uh and it looks like we're going back to that. Kind of the campy, like flying mm. frog style production level. <laughs> that that we hey. had the original game. I don't know why we're doing that cuz I think maybe people weren't happy with Ares Expedition. I don't know, but um I think it's maybe I think it's amazing. Just, yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. I don't know, maybe this is just cheaper. I I mean, not maybe. This is definitely cheaper. Maybe that's why. I don't know. So, not excited about the card artwork, but to be fair, I don't really look at the cards anymore because I've played that base game, you know couple hundred times and i'm not really paying attention to the terrible art um so in the game you're gonna get 60 dice you're gonna get a board you're gonna get 136 cards again with very familiar artwork uh 21 corporations which is good because they're asymmetrical Mm -hmm. um get seven ocean styles instead of nine uh a bunch of other tiles for forests and special things wild resources all that good stuff and then 11 milestones. So all the basic stuff that you're used to from the mm-hmm. base game is here. Mm-hmm. You're going for milestones. You're building up cities and forests. You're placing out oceans and raising temperatures and planting forests. Uh, it's just faster because you're using dice to determine resources. You don't get as many decision points, I guess, in the game. And it'll only take 45 minutes. So... I'm going to back it because I was very skeptical of Ares Expedition and it turned out to be quite a good game. And I wish I had backed the original. Mm-hmm. And this time I'm just going to back it because it's only $35. And mm-hmm. if it's not good, 
it's only $35. Mm. Um, but I'm sure it's good because so far, you know, all these games have been with the exception of like one or two expansions. So, sure. Uh, this is on Kickstarter now for another 12 days. So when you hear this, you'll have like a week. And yeah, Terraforming Mars, the dice game. We'll see. The dice game is always <laughs> a toss-up, but the card game was good. So sure. Let's see how it does. So how how close after you have went through the rules, how close or far away would you say this is to any other game that, you know, utilizes dice in this kind of way? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it's, I wasn't thinking of anything right off the top of my head. That's the that's same. Good. That's good you know? that it didn't hit you like roll for the galaxy or something like that. Right. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't think it gives me that vibe. Not like Ares expedition gave the race for the galaxy vibe. Oh yeah. That's um, straight up. It's an identical yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> no, it, it. You don't have the action selection here that you did in that game. It really mm-hmm. is more like you're going to be building your own tableau based on sure. the dice that you roll, and those are the resources. Like it really seems like they're trying to take the game, the base game, and just add some randomness with the dice mm-hmm. and get rid of all the resources. Right. So you don't have a resource board anymore. You have a handful of dice. Sure. Um, and I don't know what I think about that yet. Like watching the video and reading the rules, it's hard to tell. Sure. if that's going to work or not but it seems interesting it's an interesting experiment yeah again like terraforming mars is you know a modern day classic Ares expedition for me it it's better for me like i love terraforming mars and i own i think i own every expansion i believe i, I didn't purchase the massive plastic kickstarter campaign i wanted to but i was just like you know, as these Kickstarter games get bigger and bigger, the idea of bringing these games to game night with all that extra stuff just doesn't, doesn't seem possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ares edition seemed like it did a lot of the Terraforming Mars things that I loved and a lot quicker, and it didn't run into those like lengthy four-hour games of Terraforming Mars or some of those runaway card leaders, you know, or that giant card stack. So that currently and I, and I know this is sacrilege on some level but i'm that currently is my favorite version of terraform mars and i'm certainly open to this the only reason why i'm probably not going to back this unless some crazy something or another comes out in the kickstarter campaign is i guess it's indie indie board and cards slash stronghold games have just been known for overpricing their games and then when it gets out to the market it's like half the price right and the Ares Expedition went to Target. I don't know if this will. It probably maybe won't. I mean, I appreciate the company mentioning the last time that their game was going to go to retail, was going to be cheaper. And at the time, it wasn't going to have the dual layer board. And I think eventually I did pick up the dual layer board through Target. So I think I might wait this one out, but I will keep an eye on the stretch goals to see if it's something worth paying a little bit of additional to get the game earlier just because i've been burnt so many times by this company (laughs) i'm just like why are you doing this just just price it reasonably like we'll all be good i'll buy your next game like it's weird how certain companies are just like and we talked about this on our recent episode about like the best you know board game companies on tabletop like stronghold is not amongst them and mostly because they tremendously overpriced their games and then they hit the market and they just don't they don't live up to it or they are half priced like a couple months later or they just hit retail somehow faster or at the same time as they do the kickstarter so right. um 
not trying to douse you, Anthony. I think this is a this is <laughs> this is certainly a I will be purchasing this game. Like yeah. th- there's no question about it. It's just a matter of like, do I want to pay the extra shipping? Do I want to pay a little bit of the over, you know, a little more on the MSRP? I just need to see some of the Kickstarter. The Ares Expedition, I again that was kind of a hard decision. I, and again, this is one of those things that we've dealt with over the years of historically, like you back the Kickstarter because you want whatever number of promo cards or things coming with the game. And that's worth more to you than tracking it down later on and then spending secondary market kind of prices or just never getting it. Now at this point, I need to see something real, but uh, it's going to be hard. We'll, we'll see. By this time next week, I should have an answer for you or you'll see me pop up on, <laughs> on Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've gone out of their way to say there's no exclusives in this campaign. It's just promos yeah. that you could get elsewhere. So mm-hmm. Like if, if, if anybody's out there waiting on price or waiting on availability, like it doesn't seem like there's a, any reason that you have to jump on it right away. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, especially with shipping costs where they are, like you're not actually saving any money off MSRP because you're paying full price with shipping hmm. included. But I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's not, no, it's fine. I, it's not a terribly expensive game to start with. And but... I have certainly paid $5 for a promo card. That has yeah. happened many times. <laughs> And I, it's happened more times than I, than I, I than I want to mention on on, <laughs> on the podcast out loud. I've purchased many cards. Like, oh, it's oh, I got the promo. It's like, oh, it's like five bucks from Board Game Geek. I'm like, it seems kind of expensive. It seems like maybe a third or half or a quarter. Sometimes when you buy those promos, like this game costs forty dollars. It costs an addition twenty dollars for, for the promos. <laughs> Why did I do that? You know, that deck of cards, and you don't get to see those cards because they're squished in with the thing. Yeah. So, all right. Well, speaking of cost-effective Kickstarters, I stumbled across what I believe is a nice little Kickstarter affordable game to pick up, and I actually backed it right away. This is called Dark Tomb, an epic tabletop adventure in a pocket-sized tin. Explore the dark and cursed tomb. So... What this turns out to be is, as they state, it's a little tiny uh, dungeon crawler game. It's a co-op game. Although, what's interesting about the game itself is it plays one to five players. And when you play the game itself, you do have the opportunity, again, based on how many players you have here, instead of having a game-generated monster kind of crawl, you could actually have another player play as the monsters in the game. Pretty cool. I like that idea. That's that one versus many thing that I, I I definitely, definitely don't see enough of. But basically, the game is a stack of cards, a bunch of cubes, and a D20. Not that exciting. But nonetheless, you have an initial flip over card. You place out your player cubes on this little, tiny little D&D dungeon crawl map. And then as you journey through the dungeon, based upon other cards that are face down as you come across those areas you place you flip those cards up you see what's in the tomb at that point and there's there's treasures there's monsters that you have to fight and then there's combat in the game so each of the characters are your classic D characters a lot of the monsters are more or less kind of generic monsters there's a little bit of a grid system on these cards and there's attack lines in which you could attack the monsters and then they can attack you and the artwork's pretty interesting. It's that kind of old throwback to the D&D era. And what I really liked about the game and what really sold me was that each of your 
each of your player character has these two cards. And throughout the game, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be selecting actions. So again, you have all of these actions available to you. You're going to select one of these four actions. And then you, uh, later on, you'll have to take another action. But the actions are very much kind of like Gloomhaven. So there's move actions or attack actions. And then there's special actions based upon your particular character. There's also equipment you could pick up. There's weapons you could pick up. And basically what you're doing with the D20 is you're rolling your die and based upon that and your modifiers on your particular character or weapon, you might be able to hit based upon the armor class of the monster. Same thing for the monster. They roll a D20 to see if they're able to hit you. And for me, this seems like a cute little co-op, but really a solo game in my kind of, I think in my play, it might be a thing. Unless you're waiting online and then you could pop this open, lay it down on the floor or on a table and you could play a little quick D&D kind of dungeon crawl campaign thing. So there is some story included in this. I will leave that to you to find out. It is currently on Kickstarter. It's $20 for the game plus shipping, which is fairly um, inexpensive. So I, I think it's something to take a look at. And again, I think it's a little innovative game that you might want to check out. This campaign racks, wraps up on Friday, October 21st, 2022. Yeah, this game looks interesting. I had it on my saved list. Um, I meant to go back over it and look at it a little bit more, but I love like the little tiny dungeon with the cubes moving around. Mm -hmm. it's yeah, it's something a little different, something a little simple, but I, I like the action selection on this. I think that's that's kind of interesting and unique. I don't think we're going to see many stretch goals in this because everything has to fit in the box, but nonetheless, it looks like a little fun campaign. All right, Anthony, so that's everything we want to get to our table. Now let's talk about the games that did hit our table, and we'll let everyone know if those games are a buy, if those games are a play, a dodge, or, in fact, the dreaded burn. So what do you have up for us this week, Anthony? All right, so I got a game in uh, that I've been playing with my daughter uh, called Go Nuts for Donuts. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a drafting game, effectively. So kind of the Sushi Go was successful and then somebody's like oh i'm gonna make the same thing with donuts which we've also <laughs> seen with truffles and there's a few other like food-based drafting games out there um why is that not an actual thing when you actually eat food why does not yeah. food come to the table and then you have to draft it amongst the people at the table like what you're gonna eat why is that not a thing it works the other That's way but great idea yeah <laughs> I'll fight over it yeah, you oh, get one of those giant yeah. appetizer platters and everyone's like, mm, yeah, I'll take the uh, garlic fries. I'm going to pull that. What are you going to take? So, <laughs> I don't know. Just oh, saying. Oh, man. Uh, so, so, this is donuts. It's all donuts. Um, <laughs> okay. With a couple of exceptions. If you have enough players, you get like a milk card in there too. Okay. But uh, basically what you do is you will lay out a tableau of cards in a market based on the number of players. There'll be numbers on top of each of them. And then everybody has a hand of cards with all of the numbers that are available. So it's going to be one more card in the market than the number of players. So if you're playing with four people, there's five cards. You'll have numbers in your hands, one through five. And you will all simultaneously pick the number that you want, place it face down. You all flip them over. If only one person picks a number, then you get that card. You just take it. If multiple people pick that number, that card goes away. So... It, nobody gets it. It doesn't stay there or anything. It just gets burned from the game. Uh, so it moves really, really quick. You're just trying to figure out what cards you want. And the the fun thing with the drafting element is, you know, and sometimes it'll kind of 
spiral out of control where you just keep picking the same card over and over again and nobody gets anything, Mm -hmm. which is not ideal. (laughs) But it is interesting because it teaches, uh, like my daughter, who's seven, teaches her at this age how to think what I might want so that she can block it, which I think is a very cool thing for the game to teach. Now, does it do that particularly well from like our perspective as gamers? Probably not. Like, I don't know that I would play this with anybody outside of my family, but for children and a family setting, I think it's a really cool way to make people think about that opponent's reaction and and how to get inside people's heads. So when you see the tableau of cards, you're like, oh, that card would be really good for me, but that card over there is really good for you. And if I pick that, then either, no matter what, you're not getting it. Either I get it or no one gets it. And that's kind of an interesting idea, right? Whatever card you pick, your opponents absolutely cannot get, no matter what. The, the card's either in front of you now or it's out of the game. So there's a lot of thinking through like, okay, I really want to get a card so I can get some points. So I'm not going to pick something somebody else would pick, but they know that I want that card. So I'm not going to pick that card. So maybe I'll pick this other card, right? You, you like start thinking through all these different possible scenarios. Um the cards themselves, the scoring on them is fairly straightforward. You know, some are just worth points. Some are worth points if you have the most of them. Some are worth points if you have a set of them. Pretty straightforward, like, set scoring stuff. Like, if you played Sushi Go, it has a lot of similar kind of mechanics to that. Although not nearly as intricate. Like, Sushi Go is a better drafting game, for sure. Mm-hmm. But this one is simpler. It was easier to teach. And my daughter now has taught it to everybody else in the house. Aww. So, um it's, it's good for that. So I think if you're looking for a simple, easy, cute, like all these little anthropomorphic donuts, uh, like drafting game, and Sushi Go is either a little too complex for your little ones, or you just want something different, Go Nuts for Donuts, is, it's fun. It's not amazing. It's not the best game I've ever played. It's not even the best like food-based drafting game for children I've ever played, but it has a place in the house. And I think because of that thing where it makes you think about what other people are doing and it is so tangible in front of you and not like a hand of cards, which is not as tangible. Um, I think it does a really good job of teaching that element. So um, it's, it's a play definitely worth checking out. And I I'd recommend anybody with kids in that like six to nine range, check it out. Go nuts for donuts. All right. I have a quick little card game in the kid fashion of, cooperative slash solo card games this is lucia it's based on a scandinavian tradition that's celebrated on december 13th as i said this could be a co-op game for kids and parents or primarily the way i kind of played it was a solo game so the game itself is kind of interesting basically you have this really cute little adorable artwork and the object of the game is to get the characters on the card in the correct locations as they make a train order. Lucia needs to be at the front of the, the train and all her candles need to be lit. The other characters and kids in the game, they also need to have their candles lit. And the Star Boys, another character in the game, they need to be at the back of the line. So there is a lot of moving of cards that happen throughout the game. So you have a deck of cards that have special abilities and action. Primarily there's two actions that you're looking at. One is to light a candle and the other one is to move cards based upon the color of the cards. You're going to be able to move certain characters across and around the train. And again, you want to get everyone in the proper order. 
there is cards in the game, our, our little gingerbread friends, that will actually extinguish cards. So you have to be careful as you move cards throughout the game. Again, this is very much a game experience more than it is a game. Again, it's a solo co-op game. Um, kids might find this entertaining as far as moving the cards throughout. The artwork, as I said, is very fun and interesting. But generally, it's a puzzle game for the rest of us. And that's Lucia. It'll be up on Kickstarter on October 1st. All right, Anthony. So that's all the games that we're talking about this week. Let's talk about the games that's going to be hitting Essen and hitting it hard. So there is some hotness that to be had and some hotness that we need to share. So not just the cards in Lucia. Let's light it up, my friend. What do you have for us on Essen Spiel 2022? All right. So we're going to do our super scientific use I know. of the Board Game Geek hotness list, which is really uh-huh, just uh-huh. thumbs, which is completely manipulated by the publishers whoa so you just said you just said you said the quiet stuff out loud bro what, what what's up yeah with that? that's what we do that's, well, that's right that's what we are bro show. that's right that's why no one likes us because we say those things out loud yeah we're, we're speaking oh. truth to power that's right um no it, it is helpful like when, when you when a game has a thousand thumbs regardless of what the company's asking people to do a lot of people are excited about it so it's a lot of thumbs bro it is a lot of thumbs <laughs> Uh, so we're going to go through the list. I'm going to skip over stuff that we've either talked about a bunch that is not for sale or that is not particularly interesting to us or we think the audience because there are 1,200 games on this list and mm-hmm. we can only talk about maybe 20 or 30 at the most. Aww. Uh, so I know, I know. Can I want to talk can about Can we not cover one. them all? Come on. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> we get a pause. I'm going to uh-huh, go get uh-huh. something to eat. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> so I'm going to power up. That's right. There you go. There you go. Uh, that's a whole weekend. We got this. We got this. So if you look uh, at the if you look at the actual time on this episode, you will know in advance if we got Anthony to do all 1,200 games. <laughs> you never Spoiler, know. Spoiler: you, you didn't. It's okay. <laughs> Maybe next time. Yeah, next year. We'll get me next year. Ooh, that'd be nice. Uh, all right, so let's let's get going because there's a bunch on here. We want to hit a bunch as many as we can. All twelve hundred. Yep. Nope. Uh, so first up, we got eleven ninety nine. Hamlet, oh, Hamlet okay, the village building game uh, uh-huh. designed by David Chirkup. So yes, sure. This is exciting because David is. is a designer of Petrichor. Yes, which is an amazing game, and mm-hmm. a co-designer on the Pursuit of Happiness, Ooh. another amazing game. So. This is coming from Mighty Boards, and it is a game about building a, a village, which mm-hmm. there's a lot of games about like this, but this one <laughs> looks, it looks particularly interesting. It has a solo mode by Nick Shaw and David Turchi, who do all the solo modes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was on Kickstarter once upon a time, and the people who've gotten it seem to like it. So I I would actually love to play this game. I wish I backed it because it looks very cute and interesting, mm-hmm. uh, and it will be available at Essen for sale. Do you think David Turchi is lonely? <laughs> i mean all these he, solo, solo all the games, solo you know? games like every other designer gets to have like play testers and tons of people around them and he has to be like the one person he's like no you must stay away i must be alone it can only be a solo game so yeah it seems like it although he does work with nick shaw a lot maybe they maybe they hang oh out. okay bros man love it go ahead all right uh next up we got lacrimosa Ooh, we i love this one this one a bunch yes. it's exciting yeah, this is designed by a, a 
couple people, Gerard Senchi and Ferran Renalius. Ooh. Uh, and it's coming from Devere Games, who mm-hmm. often surprise us with amazing things. They keep upping their game every time. Like, we've yeah. known them for quite some time, and they're just like, you know what, this year? Better. And I'm just like, bro, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they actually have another game on the list that we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, 1998 ISS. Mm-hmm. So it's a game about the International Space Station. Nice, nice. I'm mm-hmm. super excited for and mm-hmm. they released previously on the Origin of Species, the Darwin game. Yes. Which uh, was a fairly light game, but was interesting for what it was. Yes. So this game about uh, the trying to finish the last requiem of um, Mozart, right? So his last conscious act on his deathbed, composing the Lacrimosa movement. So now you're trying to get it funded and get it out there. Um I love it. I love it. It's a game about Mozart. It's a game about music. There's not a lot of mm. games about music. There should be mm-hmm. more because it's such it's crazy. an interesting part of history. Mm-hmm. Like these people were rock stars, right? Yes. And we don't have a lot of games about that culture. And I crazy. feel like we should have more. So Same. Mm-hmm. I, I would love this game. I'm hoping they have it at PAX because last year they had, Devere had their um, Essence stuff at PAX. So I'm hoping they have mm-hmm. it at PAX. Uh, next up, uh, we have the Red Cathedral Contractors. This is the expansion for the Red Cathedral, designed by Ira C. and Shay S. from DeVere again. Mm-hmm. And the Red Cathedral was a brilliant little game. Like mm-hmm. 30 bucks, tiny little box, but just like it packed a lot of punch for what it had. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it. And so this is an expansion that brings in contracts, which really... I haven't played it yet, but it seems like it's going to add a ton to that game because that game, you could move a lot of things and manipulate a lot of pieces, but it was all kind of moving in the same direction as you built up the cathedral. And now mm-hmm. adding a contract element not only gives it like another dimension, but gives you something to do when you can't use the resources in front of you. So Yeah, that's, that's what this game needed, definitely. Yeah, so I'm excited for that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we've talked about this one. You previewed this a couple weeks ago, actually. Woodcraft. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? The new Suchi game. Yeah, Suchi. What's up, bro? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, you know, questionable artwork aside, it's a yes. new Vladimir Suchi game from Delicious Games. And mm-hmm. you're you're making cute little stuff in the woods out of wood. It looks, yeah. It looks cool. Yeah. Crunchy. Super crunchy, people. Yeah. I don't know why you're forest people and not just like normal <laughs> woodcrafters, but, you know. It's like the Caverna thing. Like, yeah, they're dwarves. Like, why? Why are they dwarves? <laughs> because I got bored Anthony, with farmers. Because. That's right. Because. That's why. Oh, man. All right. Uh, next up on the list, we have Revive. I talked about this a few weeks ago. This is a new game from the Aporta team. Uh, so this is with designers who worked on uh, games like The Magnificent and um, uh, Santa Maria, two great mm-hmm. Euro games that kind of went under the radar here in North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of a game that takes place in the future and you're rebuilding civilization after humanity's been wiped out by whatever wiped it out this time. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's like a big campaign based Euro game with asymmetrical powers, all the good stuff. So I'm excited for this. Uh, next up on the list, we have starship captains from Czech games edition designed by Peter Hofgard. We talked about this a long time ago because yes. I think we're both super hyped for this game. Super. It's a mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek, the board game, but not really Star Trek, but kind of really because. Legally distinct Star Trek, but yeah, barely. Star Trek. 
barely yes. legally distinct. <laughs> every time I look at this cover, I'm like, is that Star Trek? It looks like Star Trek. It's, it's kind of, yeah. Every, every, you know what the funny thing is? Everything in that game looks like Star Trek, except, and again, if you're a board game designer and you're making something in space, please, can we all agree to stop the space pirates as a yeah. thing? <laughs> like every space game that's cartoony always has space pirates. You had Starcadia Quest. You had another game I can't think of off the top of my head, but which was a small card game about, you know, space and th- and this too. Like I don't need a Captain Hook space pirate. Like it doesn't make any sense. Come on. Like you can have pirates, just not cartoonishly eye-patching ones, but we have that here. So it's here. I don't know. But I'm excited nonetheless. nonetheless. That's that's to show you how excited I am that even the space pirate th- uh thing is not keeping me back from it this time. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm super excited for this. Mm-hmm. And not the least reason it's CGE. They make good yes, games. They make great and, games, yeah. You know, sometimes you see like this goofy kind of satirical theme and you're like, okay, all right, you're trying to do a Star Trek thing. We're like, no, they did a Diablo thing and it worked. They did an Indiana Jones thing and it worked. So why not a Star Trek thing? Uh, next one up, uh, I talked about this one a couple of weeks ago, is Tiletum, the new one mm-hmm. from Simone Luciani and Daniel Tashini. I've so, heard of them. Yeah, <laughs> they've done things. <laughs> they've done things. Uh, they've they've kind of made a name for themselves a little bit. Yeah, kind yeah. Of... they've got a little background. They're up, they're up and coming. Let's just say that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we've got dice. we got a Euro game. we got the two guys that are known for making Euro games with dice. And yes. it's uh, coming from Board and Dice. Right there, it's in the title. Board and it's all they got everything nailed down. Yep, it's and it's merchants traveling the Mediterranean, so you know it's got to be good. (laughs) They couldn't even think of a better theme. They're like, no, the gameplay is so good, no one's gonna care. (laughs) Yeah, I think again, this is the space pirates of Euro gaming, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the artwork's good though. It's not like the artwork's beautiful, Mm -hmm. frumpy, bored-looking merchant on the cover, at least. Um, so yeah, that's another game that like, if I could figure out a way to get it, I would definitely track down and get, uh, I can't. So I just have to wait like everybody else, but <laughs> excited. No. Uh, next up we have flow war. This is from a designer that are, well, it's from the designers that I do know, Ira C and Shay S mm-hmm. who worked on, uh, red cathedral, which we just talked about, but the publisher mm-hmm. I've not heard of. This is Primigenio, mm-hmm. a Spanish publishing company. And uh, this is a, so they generally make smaller box games that take about an hour, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, they made the, the bullet train game that we played at PAX last year, which was really enjoyable. I picked that one up. Excellent. So yeah. this one is uh, all about flowers. Yes. And kind of overlapping. It's like a the annual festival commemorating the end of the 200 years war. So mm-hmm. it looks very pretty and very pastel-y. Yeah, I, I, it has one of the most innovative board setups I've ever seen. It's actually a flower with these giant petals that kind of act as the player board. Really interesting, unique. Love it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely got to track that down because I, I really enjoy their games. They, like they managed to pack a lot into a small package. Very much so. Yep. Uh, all right, Terracotta Army. We've talked about a few times. We did. And this was supposed to release here in September, but today's September thirtieth, and I haven't seen it anywhere. So. <laughs> Either it released and sold out, or I'm not paying attention, or they just missed the date. So who knows? But uh, I would love to play this game as well. It's designed by Adam Kopinski uh, with Premislaw Fornal, 
and mm-hmm. comes from board and dice and it's the, about the terracotta army and you get all the little miniatures for your army uh <laughs> good reviews coming out of gen con it's been out now via gen con for a couple months so a lot of people had a chance to play it now nice uh next up we have heat pedal to the metal this Damn. is a new <laughs> a new game about formula one racing from days of wonder what who haven't released a new game in a while yes so very exciting just for that by itself um but it is a re-implementation of to some degree uh the bicycle racing game mm-hmm. um Flamme Rouge, yes. designed by Oscar Harding and Granarud. So mm-hmm. that alone is amazing. That's an amazing game. It was from Strongholds. It was very expensive and often out of print. This yes. will be less expensive and hopefully not out of print. And it's Days of Wonder, so the artwork's beautiful. So I'm mm-hmm. probably going to pick this one up. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we have Ottawa, or Atiwa. Not sure how to pronounce this. But it's the new Uwe Rosenberg game from Lookout Games. I've heard of him, too. Yeah, I know. And again, we're going to have to wait like a year and a half for this for some reason. <laughs> as if we don't want the Uwe Rosenberg game. Oh, man. They have to think, think about it for a while. Game. What are you doing? Well, oh. you know, he's a first-time designer. Not many people know him. Come on. I know. It's, it, it's about something weird and different that no one's ever played. You know, planting vegetables and stuff. Yeah, I know. You know. I know. <laughs> it's funny because the game is about bats, right? Yes. So you're like, mm-hmm. you're trying to I'm not 100% sure what you're trying to do here. You're trying to like balance the needs of the community and help the bats grow. But there's yeah. also an element of planting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Nuve Rosenberg game. It's a Nuve you... Rosenberg game. Come on, guys. Come on. I mean, yeah. seriously. Please. What? It's No, just release it everywhere. What, what the heck? Come on. Yeah. So you're trying to save the bats because they help repopulate the forest. Which is cool, and you get little bat meeples, and you're being yes. friendly with the bats, which when is was great. The, yeah, like when was the last time you got a, a decent bat meeple in your game? Come on, be honest. Don't tell I me don't Batman. Do bat yeah, no, 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 no. That doesn't count, man. This is yeah. these are the real things. This is the real deal here. Yeah. So I'm sure it's just a reimplementation of another one of his games, but I'm uh, gonna buy it. <laughs> no, you're not. That's why Essen people are not sending it out around the world. It has to stay in Essen for at least two years to figure out. If this young upstart of a board game designer actually has the grit that is needed to be able to sell his games. <laughs> yes. But can you do it? Let's buy enough of this bat game to show that Uwe Rosenberg is worth publishing around the world. That's right, kids. Come on. Follow this first time designer and help him out with his, uh, you know, bat game. All right. So moving on to the next one, Sabika. This Ooh. game is from German P. Milan, who is the designer of Botoku, which we played earlier this year. We did. And this game looks less busy than that. So that's I good. know. It's got that going for it. Uh, <laughs> that's not saying much, though. <laughs> no. Most, most games are less busy than that. Yeah. Uh, so you are one of the people who helped build the Alhambra. The famous Alhambra from nice. the Dirk Hen game. Ooh. I, I know nothing else of the Alhambra except for that. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so it's a rondelle it's a big old rondelle it's a giant rondelle in the yes. middle of the board you're moving around taking actions and then building out the alhambra so yeah i like alhambra i would love the game about the people who built it and i liked Botoku, but i think the busyness is what turned me off so mm-hmm. if this game's a little more streamlined and not quite as much going on I, I would be interested to see what he can do with that and i'm a person who likes a good rondelle i'm just going to say that up front so yeah. Yeah, rondelles all, all, all day, man. Rondelles are good. Mm-hmm. All right, next up we got Autobahn, 
This is from Fabio Lopiano and Nestor Mangone, mm -hmm. the designers that bring us such games as Kalamala and Ragusa and Zapotec. Um, so it's similar in that regard. A little bit longer than some of Lopiano's other games, but uh, similar size box. This one was on Kickstarter. I actually backed it, and it will be here by the end of the year. Um, but it's an economic game about building the Autobahn in Germany, the motorway system there. Um, so, yeah, I'm all for any Euro that Lopiano puts out. And it's a little bit heavier, a little bit bigger than his normal stuff. So I'm interested to see what he can do with a game that doesn't end in 75 minutes. So, <laughs> which is good. All his games are great. But if you give him another hour of playtime, what happens? It's true. Kalamala, though, is, is like one of the best games that no one's ever played. Yeah, so that's true. People should play that. <laughs> All right. Next up from Looping Games. Um, mm -hmm. Looping back to our... Heh, looping back. Looping ah, back I to see our, what we did there. Look at this guy. He's funny. Uh, I know what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> Don't uh, try this so, at home, kids. We're professionals. Yeah, we've, we've been doing this for nine years. It's a, just, you know, <laughs> back up. Back. Give us some space. Mm -hmm. uh, so, again, Gerard Asenci, Ferran Rinalias. They designed uh, Lacrimosa, which was at the top of this segment. Mm -hmm. uh, this is 1998 ISS, and it is a one-to-four-player small box game. Uh, Looping Games makes these small, relatively affordable, accessible things. We played, um, what was the one we played last year? It was the jazz game, the Cotton Club, 1923 oh, yeah. Cotton Club. Uh, mm -hmm. That was one of theirs. Um, they also did 1942 USS Yorktown, 1987 Channel Tunnel, I really enjoyed as a small two-player game. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those, um, and it is about the International Space Station sure. and getting it up. Nice. So that's a cool theme. I love space games, so I'm all about it. That's another theme that I, I it's just amazing, considering that the global investment in the International Space Station, that there is not more games. Like mm. there's 20 or 30 good games you could just build off this just because you're building something you're building something in space and it's dynamic and it's different countries. Like this should be a common theme. It's kind of weird that it isn't, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like the Mars thing. It's like, where would we go next in space? Like the international space station is like an amazing and, you know, human achievement. So right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next up we have a one player game. This is mm -hmm. resist. Uh, it's from Salt and Pepper Games, and it is a one-player game about leading a band of resistance fighters um, following the Spanish Civil War mm -hmm. as they try to take back their homeland. So it's got nice. uh, some interesting artwork, uh, a whole bunch of different mechanics mixed in, but it's only a 20 to 40 minute game. And anytime you say solo only and it looks like it has a solid production behind it, I, mm -hmm. I'm just interested in checking it out because uh, you don't get a lot of those. Sure. Uh, Deal with the Devil. This is from mm -hmm. Czech Games Edition. Matis Kotri, the designer of Alchemists. Uh, we talked about this before. It's a hidden role game, but three of the four players are hidden roles versus one. So it's it's a like a inverse of the typical kind of tracking. You know, instead of three people trying to find Dracula, it's three Draculas trying to find you. I don't know. Oh my god. That took a dark turn. so it it looks complex. It uses uh a lot of different mechanics. It's got an app integration because that's Kotri's thing. Um so it's a little divisive so far. And it looks like it's pretty long and complex and a lot going on, but 
I would love to try this game out because it looks fascinating. All right, next up we have Evergreen from Horrible Guild from Hjalmar Hawk. Uh, this is an open drafting game about building an ecosystem. So we're planting stuff, putting seeds down, growing some trees, getting some other cool natural resources out there. With this big round board with little slots to place your tree meeples in there. And that alone, if that doesn't get you, tree meeples. Tree I mean, meeples. Mm-hmm. Why not? Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited about this. It looks cute. Uh, it's got a solo mode. Uh, it's one of the designers who's worked on Railroad Inc., Photosynthesis, Dragon Castle, King's Dilemma. So, lots of good stuff. And since it's a plant game, I'm sure it's super mean because that's how those work. <laughs> Why is that always how those work? I like, don't know. What about, what about trees comes off to board game designers as being super mean? Other than the fact that, like, since like mostly every board game is you know paper and cardboard, maybe the trees are like, I know you, I know what you do, or something. <laughs> yeah, coming. Yeah, for I you, don't bro. know. It's a good question. Like, what? Why are trees mean? They don't move. I don't. They know. They don't move. They get, and actually, and like scientifically, that idea that they compete you know, for light is actually something that I think somewhat, again, forgive me, I can't think of all the research I've read over the years, but I think recently they were talking about how trees do share nutrients and stuff through a uh, fungi network underground and how Hmm. evergreens and foliage trees kind of share and they, they communicate and protect. Like, it's an amazing thing. It's not just that what you see on the outside, there's a lot of cooperative process on the inside. So, Trees are awesome. You know, just ask the Ents. They, they're they awesome, so. Yeah. 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 Unless you're Trees. Isengard, then they'll march on you, because that's what yeah. they do. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I don't know where to just go saying. from there. I um, know, I just, I, I yeah, yeah. It yeah. blew my mind. So, <laughs> next up we got Terra Nova. This is the re-implementation of Terra Mystica in a simpler, more streamlined, shorter version. Uh, I, I can't remember if I pre-ordered this or not, because part of me was like, why does this exist? And the other part of me was like, I would like to try that. So I, I'll i let you all know if it shows up next month, because I don't remember. But uh, it's a different designer, kind of taking the mechanics from Terra Mystica and reworking them. And it, has a lot, it looks similar in a lot of ways. You've got the different player factions, you've got the little pieces, you've got the board. But quicker, simpler, more streamlined, more accessible. We'll see if that means better or worse i would i would imagine not better but we'll see sometimes sometimes they surprise you uh moving on to the next one we have <laughs> clever forever uh i it's funny i keep buying these these wolfgang warsh rolling rights they're all the same game they just have like different ways of scoring but i'm all in now i got the other three i'll take the fourth one why not <laughs> so, there you go more rolling right no I'm fine. That's okay. I'm good. Yeah. No, no, yeah. that's cool. We don't. We don't. We didn't need to go there. There's. I think we. we I think we maxed out those things. I'm sorry. I'm good. I think after you hit a Twilight Inscription, I think you hit the pinnacle of rolling rights, and I think it's just we need to leave that alone for a minute. That's all I'm saying. It's like it's like every game didn't need to be a legacy game. Not every game needs to be a rolling right. Just saying that. Just saying it out loud, people. Okay. So you know. You say that, but. <laughs> What if we had a draft and write or, or a draw and write of uh-huh. Orleans? Huh? No one's asking for that, bro. Huh? Come on. No, one, no one's asking for it's that. It's called Joan of Arc. 
Orleans Draw oh. and Write. It's a oh. terrible name. It's a terrible that name is... for a game. Why? Why would you do that? That is... And honestly, I, I think the only thing worse is kind of the, the cover illustration. I get what they're so going bad. for. I get what they're going for. Like, I appreciate the, the idea of the art style, but it's it's painful. And Joan of Arc, uh, poor, dear, sweet, historically somewhat accurate character person. God bless. Like, I don't know. No. <laughs> no, there's not. No, I feel bad. No, don't. No, no, nope. I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Just I'm out. <laughs> I'm, I, I love me some drawing rights, but I don't actually like Orleans that much. So I'm out on that regard. But also, See, I, like, I agree. I'm the opposite. Part. I'm the opposite of you. I love Orleans, but I do not like Roland rights. <laughs> so <laughs> somewhere, somewhere we meet in the, we meet in the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well, neither one of us is getting it. So, <laughs> so one of you people out there listening, tell us if this game is good or not, because we're not going to play it. No, we're not going to play it. We just no. somehow we met in the middle coming from opposite ends. I don't know how that yeah. happened, but it did. <laughs> yeah. Completely different reasons for avoiding it. Absolutely different. All right. Uh, so next up, we have Puerto Rico 1897. Uh, the German edition, at least, is releasing here in the fall. This is the updated version of Puerto Rico that is... By all accounts, the same mechanically, but the theme has been updated to be less, I don't know, <laughs> erasing of history, borderline racist, problematic. Uh, less, less. Less, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I Well, it remains to be seen because I haven't actually seen the game in action yet. Um, no. But if it works, I am inclined to support the effort to make games less shitty. I don't know. Like, can we make them less like... Uh, so... Uh, detrimental to society. Yeah. Uh, so this and Sky Mines and games like that, I'm like, yes. just keep it coming. Even if it doesn't quite work, I'll support it because we need more of this. We do. Um, all right. Next up on the list, we have Mosaic, A Story of Civilization. This is the Glenn Drover Civilization game uh, that was on Kickstarter at some point. So it's card drafting, engine building, Civ game. Uh I think the normal version is a normal price game, but they did have that Colossus version that was on Kickstarter. You can get that for like 200 bucks. Okay. No. No? No. Okay. Moving on. No, 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 no. All right. Moving on. Sorry, (laughs) kids. Look, again, I've not played the game, so I can't speak to the game itself. I, I wish I did have the opportunity to play this, but me, all my obsessive board game friends out there who back everything at you know the uppermost length none of them just was none of them were on board for the extensive add-on cost for this um and i think it's a kind of a a shame because i'm sure it's probably a very good game but it's just not going to get to the because i think that there is a threshold for some of these things and for them they kind of they hit it and hit it hard yeah oh yeah yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I was out too, and I love Civ games, but I'm like I yeah, have no. enough like hundred dollar Civ games. I don't need another one. That I'm yeah, not and again, play. again, I I think unless unless we're all committed as gamers to now be gamers from home, we're talking an enormous box here too. This is yeah. a terraforming Mars size box of a game. And again, I'm all for upgrading my games and making them the best as they can be, but the price and the size is is sometimes you know the downfall of the game. Yep, for sure. All right, so uh, from a game that we're not going to play, another one, uh, to one that I'm actually interested in trying out. Uh, we have Planet B. Mm-hmm. This is the new one from Hansem Gluck, uh, the German publisher. And from first-time designer Johannes Natterer, 
Mm-hmm. And I love the byline. It's idiocracy, corruption, and a lot of dark humor about our future on planet B. And I don't know. If you're going to leave with idiocracy, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> I want to know what the game's about. So it ostensibly it looks to be a Euro game with some voting and market elements mm-hmm. where we're populating some new planet off in another galaxy and all the people in charge are corrupt and being stupid and you have to deal with all that nonsense. So I love politics and sci-fi because you can do all the funny things and the people you're making fun of don't often realize you're making fun of them. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, no, this looks great. I'm definitely playing this or backing this as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, Sky Mines. We talked about mm-hmm. this before. It's the reimplementation of Mombasa for mm-hmm. Alexander Pfister. It's it's Mombasa in space. It's what we said, and they did it, and I will pick it up. You're welcome. Yeah, we did that. No, we, we I mean, I feel like we kind of did because we were the we only ones who were saying... Honestly, we were the only ones who were saying it for such a long time, and we took flack and we took negative ratings because of that. And again, we, you know, Mombasa mechanically was one of my favorite games of all time. It was in my top 10. And the fact that, you know, the game had such a weirdly problematic, unnecessary theme to it made zero sense. And we talked about this for quite some time, not out of hate, but honestly out of love. I mean, I had real love for this Alexander Pfister game. And I am thrilled that he re-implemented this in a better way. Uh, from what I can tell, some some streamlining, some updates, the game is better in, you know, as far as the, the mechanics are concerned. And the theme just works. So we can have nice things, right? Usually we can't have nice things. This is something we can have nice things. So I don't own this yet, but I will certainly purchase this, and I'm really happy to get this to table soon. So, yeah, um, thanks to him for you know doing the right thing here, and, and also I think with Mbasa he had an expansion to kind of correct some things. So, I think that's you know all we can ask for anybody. Like, just do the right thing when you can. That's all we're asking. Yeah. So awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, next up, we have a game that you didn't back this right. Eleven. The football. I really wanted to back this. Like, honestly, this was, you know, sometimes when you, when you see games, and I think this was on game found. I was just, I, there's sometimes like, again, there's sometimes where campaigns just kind of push you over the edge. This is a re-implementation of the Thomas Jansen game. He had done previously. I wanted to back this. But I hate to say this because we talked about Stronghold. Portal Games is guilty of this too. The game was just like exorbitantly. It was just, it was so crazily expensive. Mm-hmm. Plus the shipping on this. I was like, I am willing to spend a lot of money on this game. And somehow you found a way to charge so much that even my, you know, just throwing money out the window is not enough to purchase this game. I don't know how you did it. They did it. I didn't get to back it. And I'm still kind of annoyed by that. So. Yeah. <laughs> ah. yeah i know i'm i don't regret not backing it for all the reasons you said but i do want to play it i mean i regret I, I still regret not backing it but at the at this point it's just like you really have to do something significantly bad like you really have to overprice a game for me not to back it i'm just yeah and they did it and he did it so but i'm, I'm really looking forward to hopefully getting a chance to play this and again hopefully it's a good game yeah i hope so uh, all right, next up, a game that I'm like 99% sure is a good game, War of the <laughs> Ring, the card game. Uh, so all the early feedback, the early reviews, everybody's like raving about this game. It just got delayed, the shipping in North America, mm-hmm. because of 
all the nonsense in the world. So it hopefully will come by the end of the year now. Uh, but very excited to get my copy of this eventually uh, and, and get this to the table. Yeah, this is... I'm trying to be very, I'm just trying to manage my expectations with this, but if, if this could just be great, I would be so happy. <laughs> I would just yeah. be so happy because <laughs> I love Board of the Ring and it doesn't get enough table time. And even on Board Game Geek, when this game came out, War of the Ring, the board game popped up on the hotness because people were wondering what was, what you know, what the re-implantation was for this. So this plays great. It gets more of the War of the Ring, the board game to the table. And this looks actually to be a really great game. So I'm incredibly excited and I'm hoping it lives up to my expectations. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. All right. A uh, couple more. Um, first up, we have the Feld games, the city collection. They're Who's this Feld gentleman you keep speaking about? It's I like, know. <laughs> is he, is, is he bros with uh, that Uwe kid? I maybe. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> cool to imagine like uve and fell just like hanging out and getting a beer or something i'd, I'd watch that action movie i watched that buddy comedy that, that yeah. could work uh so feld's games there's what four or five of them now that have been kickstarted at this point and we haven't seen any of them yet so. <laughs> <laughs> i backed all four of them and recently they're like hey we're gonna be shipping this i'm like sure you are kids sure you yeah, are it's yeah. fine you keep saying that but we don't hear it uh <laughs> I mean, they must be shipping soon because they are selling some of them at Essen. So they're going to have Amsterdam. They're going to have New York, Marrakesh. uh, Forgot the fourth one, but they're all very expensive if you didn't already back them. So like, I think they're $100, $125 a piece. Look, as I said, I spend a lot of crazy money on, you know, especially the Kickstarter GameFound kind of games. So like, again, Pearl Games, come on, bro. Step up your game. I I back these. So like, you know, it's crazy money, bro. Like, that's all I'm saying. I'll do it if you don't make it really hard to say yes. I'll do it. Oh man, I I jumped off on the second half, so I'm gonna have to borrow your copy of Marrakesh because apparently it's good, mm-hmm. which is annoying because I didn't I know. like that. Uh, well, who do you think I'm gonna play these games with? That's true. <laughs> Just like like the local people down the corner. Hey, you want to play a Euro game? That's SF one from, and they're like, sure. It's play- got a cube tower. <laughs> What? what? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly, kids. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. All right. And then the last one, because we still don't know anything about it, and I want to know more about it, but they still haven't told us, but it's going to be for sale, so we're going to find out soon. Uh, King of Monster Island. Mm -hmm. This is the new version of Monster (laughs) Monster Island. The new version of King of Tokyo from Richard Garfield and Yellow. Um, And it's cooperative. So... Mm -hmm. How does that work? I want to know. Tell me how that works. <laughs> uh, they have not told us how that works yet, really. We have some sense, but not not enough. Uh, so it's going to be releasing soon. It's coming out in the U.S. There's no date yet, but eventually. Uh, they say it's in on the water at the moment, so it'll be here mm-hmm. at the end of the year probably. Uh, yeah, I'll pick this up. My kids love King of Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of a cooperative version because the problem with King of Tokyo in my house is that as soon as someone dies, it devolves into fighting. Like actual real world fighting. We're like, you wow. killed my monster. I'm like, yeah, that's the game. That's what you were supposed to do. So uh, I won't have to pretend to lose anymore. I can actually <laughs> play the game. It'll be fun. Uh, take a dive for the kids. That's all, that's always a nice thing. Yeah. Certain games. Certain so, games. 
Yeah, this, I, I think I did a preview of this way back when. This is interesting. I'm not sure. I think that they're thinking of this as for big box stores. Mm. So just like King of Tokyo hit out there and, and did quite well, this could be another game. And, and again, it is somewhat reminiscent of Monster Island, the, the Godzilla kind of movie where all the monsters are hanging out there and just fighting each other for fun. So yeah, this could be the this could be the smash hit for the holiday season if they can uh, if they can land this one. So yeah, looking forward to it. All right, everyone. So that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. Hey, yeah, this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everyone. Bye. See ya.